0: Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in 3, 2, 1. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Joe Franco, president of the OCI Group. Joe, how are you doing today? Doing great. Great to see you, LA. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy we can get you on the podcast and have this conversation because you work with small law firms, you know, sole proprietors, uh, solos, firms with a couple of partners. And one of the things that uh, I'm really curious to get your take on because you're an accountant is a lot of attorneys... Almost pride themselves on not knowing numbers, like not being great at math. A lot of them are history majors and political science majors and things like that. And so when it comes to math, like, you know, I don't want anything to do with this at all. But numbers can be so helpful when you're running a firm. And so I'd love to hear from you, Joe. How, you know, tell me about an experience where you took an attorney who maybe wasn't interested in knowing the numbers or was was really struggling with the numbers kind of educated them to learn the numbers get a good grasp of it and to realize some of those benefits along the way
1: so yeah so what what we try to do that's a good question so what we try to do is we try to put it in an understandable format sort of a universal format where any anybody because you know attorneys they're focused on practicing law you know they they know time is money and they're they're Priority is to practice law, to litigate, to create contracts, the rights. So obviously, they're very heavy in you know reading, writing, um, understanding, speaking, communicating. Um, at the end of the day, they do want to know the performance of their company. So if we just if you know we just try to explain to them, hey, you want to track the performance of your company? Obviously, your revenues, your expenses, your payroll, your your timesheets, you know your employee performance. They understand, okay, these are metrics I have to follow. How can I do it easily? So if we put in just you know simple you know pnl statements of cash flow month to month quarter to quarter they can see it they can say okay this is revenue over costs costs are typically uh their employee costs their payroll and then you know overhead you know your rent your office supplies um you know travel and everything so we we try to put it in a simple understandable format we ask we we ask them what do you need to run your company what do you need To understand the performance of your company, the performance of your employees, and we just put it in in a simple, understandable format for them. Because again, attorneys like you know any any widget maker, they're very good at making widgets, selling widgets, explaining widgets, and they don't want to be in. They just maybe they don't like the numbers because they just don't want to be involved with them. Which is a positive thing. They should be involved in business development, not in numbers all the time. So.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. And when I work with a law firm, oftentimes this is one of the first things we dig into because we set you know goals for growth and goals for revenue and profit and income and those kinds of things. And then the question is okay, well, let me see your most recent PL, your most recent uh you know, statement of cash flows, your most recent balance sheet. And it turns out that their the bookkeeper or their accountant isn't giving those to them on a monthly basis. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it creates a lot of challenges for us as business coaches when we're working with clients, when they don't even get financials from their, uh, from their accountant or their bookkeeper on a timely basis. So I wanted to get your perspective, Joe. Number one, what are some of the things that attorneys can do? to work with their bookkeepers and accountants to get those things on a periodic basis? And what should be their expectations? Like, is are they asking too much of their bookkeeper and their accountant to provide this stuff on a monthly basis? Um, I'd love to get your perspective on those two things.
1: Uh, no, they're not, they're not asking too much at all. I mean, that's, that, that's, a, that's a standard business ask. If you're going to employ an accountant and a bookkeeper, that, that's a standard ask. That's what they should deliver. So at the minimum, uh, monthly comparative financials, month to month or quarter to quarter comparative financials, uh, a P and L, a statement of cash flow, a balance sheet, and also maybe an accounts receivable statement. Cause a lot, a lot of attorneys, they let their AR age high, you know, for a very long time. Um, they, you know, they send out a lot of invoices. They know they're generating invoices, generating revenue, which is great. Everybody wants revenue and invoices going out the door. But if you're not collecting on them, you end up uh, bleeding that money. So you need to look at your AR aging. You need to look at it, uh, you know, zero to 30, 30 to 60, and so on to make sure you're collecting on that. Um, and yeah, and it's extremely important. If they're going to work with a coach such as yourself, they're going to need a roadmap. They're going to need, you know, you're going to take them from point A to point Z. So first of all, you are going to want to know what is for good or for bad what is point a you know are we you know in this financial position or this financial position and then we want to get to point z we have to track you know um but budget tax so you want to have this much revenue growth well why didn't you hit it you want to have you want to keep your expenses at this level why didn't you or what did you do to reduce your expenses how can you um transfer those business practices to other areas of the firm so.
0: awesome and there's a lot of things that get in the way too in terms of enabling the bookkeeper or the accountant to be successful and to provide those statements on a monthly basis. So what are some of the things that attorneys should be doing if they own their law firm uh, so that their um, their financial advisors are in a position to generate those monthly reports?
1: Definitely take advantage of the software. I mean, there's a lot of off-the-shelf software out there uh, that works perfectly for law firms, small or or larger um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, CRMs, you know, such as Clio, I'm sure you've worked with that a lot. It's great. You do, you do all your time tracking in there. Um, and then you invoice right from there. So everybody can track, you can track everybody's time, make sure everybody's getting their time. in. so there's no unbilled time. Everybody's entering their time. So if you want to get paid you got into your time and that translates it translates an invoicing which should sync right into your quickbooks right into your quickbooks or any accounting program so you're capturing all that time all the time is being turned into billables and and then of course you can track any um uh uncollected uh aging um and then and then of course on top of that just the basic accounting principles um you know make sure you're entering your any recurring transactions make sure you're categorizing uh, consistently all your overhead your payroll Uh, make sure you're tying employee time to billable time so you can track employee performance for for incentive reasons as well
0: and that right there that last piece i can i can almost hear my audience of attorney entrepreneurs going, wow, that is a lot like doing all the tagging and doing all these associations. um, It's almost like I want to have someone else there that can do a lot of that for me. And so I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your approach with law firms, Joe, because I want to hear what a good approach sounds like. And I think, you know, I think the world of the work that you do, I'll I'll share with you a situation I run into, uh, again, pretty often. And I would love to hear how this is different in when you work with a client. Um, and so here's the situation I'll be, you know, let's say that I do get the financials from the client and oftentimes they don't know what the financials are. Like they don't know what the financials mean. No one's actually sat down with them and talked them through, okay, here, here is a, here's an income statement or a PL. This is what it looks like. Here's the format. Here's the different line items. Uh, looking at these things, these are some things you might want to look into a little bit. Like we can dig into those things. And so oftentimes it, I'm the person taking them through them. Their accountant hasn't done it. Their bookkeeper hasn't done it. And no one's actually looked at it with a critical eye to see what opportunities they could have to improve cash flow, to improve collections, and to improve profitability. So how do, when you work with a law firm, what does that experience look like?
1: So yeah, so we, on a minimum, we always say you want you want to close your month or we want to close the month for a firm no later than the 20th because you're going to look at these financials. And you know, if you understand fin- financial statements, that's great, but they're not much used to if you're looking at them six months later, then you can't really react to them. You want to look at your financials uh, within 20 days after a month end or a quarter end so you can be more reactive and even proactive going forward. So that's number one. Uh, timeliness is extreme. That's one of the top accounting principles. Timeliness is extremely important um two like i said just put it in layman's terms here's your revenue here are your different types like you know whether it's you know legal legal fee work hourly work um you know flat rate work are you doing estate planning litigation you know is it flat rate is it hourly and then your costs maybe by employee and then we'll give them percentages so they can see wow is my percentage of costs going up or is it going down as my revenue goes up if your percentage of cost is going up That's that's a bad sign. I mean, that's that's, you know, generally universally understandable. But, you know, we want to work with them uh, through those kind of questions or give something understandable to a coach such as yourself that can work uh, through that problem with them. Like, why are your costs going up or why are your revenues staying flat, why your costs are going up? Something's going on.
0: Awesome. That's great to hear. And what are some of the. The key opportunities that you're often seeing with law firms, things that they should uh, be focusing on to improve their financials,
1: I would say probably being able to scale to get you know to get a little more productivity out of employees, uh, you know uh, without having to hire so many more people. Um, the number the number one thing I see um, lawyers kind of jump to is the first thing they want to do is hire is when they get busy, they want to hire more help, which is good. they usually want to hire more attorneys. And an attorney is very expensive, so I always tell them, you know, try to, you know, delegate. Try to, you know, delegate that first batch of work, you know, kind of from the bottom up. You know, don't hire an attorney and then sit there and fill out insurance documents or do your own payroll or, you know, pay, you know, do your bill pay. You can hire out somebody like someone for that for much less than what an attorney is going to cost you. Then when you get so busy with that, and you can, you can, so you can take on more legal work. And then when you get so busy with that, then you can hire on. Um, you know more more attorneys, more expensive attorneys. Um, so, so so start there de- delegate and outsource um, the cheap stuff first, then kind of move up that financial ladder. Um, s- second, I would say if they can manage their employees better, if they can manage their time, if they keep an eye on what they're working on and how much they're billing, they can usually extract you know just a little more productivity out of their employees so they can kind of scale up, take on more revenue, take on more clients without hiring so rapidly.
0: I love that approach, and uh, it's something we talk to our clients about all the time in terms of who should that next hire be. And so attorney entrepreneurs, if if you've studied all this stuff, you know that what we're always trying to do is hire profit centers. So we're trying to hire people that can actually make the firm money, and that's where attorneys are so attractive. Joe, to your point, um, you can hire an admin person and still have them bill out their legal work. And so you can have someone that's in kind of a hybrid role where they're doing a lot of administrative work that the attorney would normally be doing that's not billable, but they're also paying for themselves by doing enough uh, secretarial work or clerical work that can be billed out to clients. And oftentimes that payback is pretty fast. It can be as little as 10 hours of billable work a week. The admin will pay for themselves and the rest of the time they can do administrative work for the law firm. Um, so that's the way that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can bring on admin employees, but they don't actually cost the firm money. In fact, they may still make the firm a little bit of money. Absolutely. Awesome. And Joe, when you're looking at clients uh, for the OCI group, what is a, a great law firm client for you? Like, How would you describe them?
1: Typically, I'd say kind of like a a smaller middle range firm, maybe 10, 10 to 20 staff total because that's big enough where there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Typically a solopreneur kind of handles the, you know, their own billing expenses. They're kind of doing off the top of their head, which which is fine. They know what they're doing. But once you get to 10, 12, 15 staff, um, there's a lot of people, um, you know, generating billable revenues, generating expenses that you have to keep an eye on. There's a lot of invoices out out going out the door and and, you know your staff, they're just going to want to work, 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 generate hours, of course, and then it gets billed, but somebody's got to collect it um so i would say that 10 to 20 is the sweet spot once they uh go beyond that point that 20 maybe it's it's probably time for them to bring in someone internally got it like a full-time office manager or something
0: yeah or uh or director of operations or whoever it happens to be and in terms of of your firm you're based in boston but i know you have a strong california presence you have a presence on both coasts where can the client be located for you to work with them
1: Anywhere. We have uh, attorneys we work with in California, Arizona, right here in Boston, anywhere.
0: And do you have any uh, specific software that you prefer uh, that your clients have when you're working with them?
1: For firms that aren't too huge, uh, we really like Clio. Uh, It connects to QuickBooks Online really well. It's all web-based. Uh, it's very secure, but you can you know you can share with outsiders very easily. You know we keep folders uh, for our clients, so we have one folder. It's really the only place we can go in the system, and then that's where we give them. You know that's where they share with us. They have to share. You know banking information, bank statements. Uh, you know we drop financials for them and their payroll if they need to. You know give us something for payroll. We can we can transfer in there. It's very easy to use and access um, externally. It syncs very well with QuickBooks Online, so very smooth. There's no there's really no double especially with revenue and billing, so they can just do their day to day work in Clio, um, you know, they enter their time, they generate billing, they can people who are not comfortable or maybe lawyers that they don't want, maybe stuff that they don't want in QuickBooks and their broad financials, they can just sit there and track their uh, bills, you know, they can just make sure their clients are paying them in Clio. And then people who do get access to QuickBooks, they can see financials, payroll, or whatnot. So that's probably the simplest integration of Clio to QuickBooks. And what's nice is if you do the uh, merchant services through Clio, you know, when somebody pays a credit card, it syncs to the accounting system too. So you have all that kind of banking done for you. So a lot of automation, um, a lot of things that just are taken out of your hands.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of fan of Clio as well. They do a great job of providing the information that we need, you know, to work on the law firm while also doing a nice job of providing the the daily operational tools that attorneys need and staff needs to actually run the firm. So um awesome. And I wanted to take a quick aside here for a minute because I hear this little debate from many, many accountants and my clients occasionally hear it too, which is this idea of QuickBooks online versus you know a standard QuickBooks version that resides on a server somewhere that's not online, not in the cloud. oftentimes what I hear from uh, from accountants is that QuickBooks online in the cloud isn't good and that you should use a QuickBooks version that you know is on a server or a computer somewhere. Um, just share with me a little bit about why that debate exists and what your thoughts are on that
1: You know, so there's not a huge difference now. Most QuickBooks, even if it's a desktop version, it's still a remotely hosted desktop. So you might as well be, uh, you might as well call it QuickBooks Online. But I, I do have to say the QuickBooks on the desktop, you know it is a little easier to you know maneuver through modules. You don't have you know kind of that pause, you know, you know kind of like a website you know loading. Uh, you can look at like two sets. What I really like is you can look at two sets of financials. So let's say you say, hey, let's drill down into that um, you know expense detail. You can open it up and still see you know your p and l, your balance sheet. You can make a change and just see it real time rather than going in and then you have a new web page. So the desktop is a little bit easier to maneuver, but what I like about QuickBooks Online is that you can always uh, get it just from a web page. So it doesn't matter whether you're on a Mac or a PC, you know, you don't have those arguments, um, you don't need it, you don't need to pay for an RDP service typically what I've seen is that more service oriented companies are perfectly fine with QuickBooks online while more, you know, contractors, manufacturing distribution, you know, need a little more of that, those inventory and contractor modules, they tend to go to the QuickBooks desktop now, but I mean, they're, they both work perfectly fine. It's, you know, whatever, you know, to each their own.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. I, I, I've only used QuickBooks online. So, it's good to hear about the advantages of the of the other approach. Um, and then, as far as your firm, the OCI Group, uh, what are some things that you're excited about over the next year year and a half?
1: A uh, lo- lot of growth coming. Um, obviously, it's you know it's 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 a little scary. There are a lot, a lot of CPAs, a lot of accounts are retiring. Uh, less are coming up in the pipeline, so there's a lot of growth coming, uh, which is great. Um, you know, post-COVID, one of the silver lines is people have really gotten comfortable with uh, us doing, you know, all the work remotely. Uh, two, they're very comfortable, you know, with online, you know, accounting services like QuickBooks or like Clio, you know, they're comfortable with it being online because they understand that, you know, you can't always have everybody in office hooked up to a central computer. So that's brought a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth and just a lot of automation that we see. So
0: awesome. Great. And Joe, if if, if uh, an attorney entrepreneur listening wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, they go to our website, www.theocigroup.com. Email me, joe at theocigroup.com or call us 424-256-6458.
0: Joe, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today. It was a real pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure.
0: Everyone, that's Joe Franco, president of the OCI Group that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you, so connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress. We would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Alej Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.